Hey. Damon, you sound a little, like, disgusted. What's going on? What are you disgusted about? <laughs> Do you really want to know? Yeah, just throw it out there. I'm really not a fan of Jermaine Dupri and how he moves through the world. Nothing specific. We were just kind of talking about him. We rabbit hole towards Jermaine Dupri. And not even his popular antics. It's just he's my least favorite type of archetype. That's what you're going to get on this show. That type of conversation. <laughs> Typically, we're going to delve into the archetype of JD. We'll go down many a rabbit hole. But today, here on Ergo, Especially we're doing something a little bit different. Every year... Here in Chicago, uh, Third Coast International Audio Festival hosts a conference that brings radio makers and audio journalists from around the country and the world to the city uh, for some conversation, presentation, performance, and award ceremony, all that jazz. Uh, this year, Ergo was lucky enough to get a press pass, uh, a single press <laughs> pass. Uh, and so I spent a few days in the Hyatt Regency McCormick Place I don't think I've ever been to a McCormick place when I wasn't protesting something there before. But this time, I was there doing some interviews with some Chicago-based radio makers. Very excited that you were able to make that move. I was there in spirit. Mm -hmm. I came by for a quick little second to the building. I'm glad you were able to hold that down on our behalf. How was it for you? It was interesting. You know, this this gets a little bit meta. Yeah. Radio, talking about radio. You know, in many ways, I've been resistant to kind of stepping into that world. And a lot of what we talk about is like, Media just means the medium just means in the middle. And so our community is not the radio community. It's the community community. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been useful, at least for me, and I think for both of us, to you know figure out how do we put our work in context of also the people using the same tools, what are lessons we can learn, what are things we can teach. Um, and mostly just to realize like we're not alone in making cool audio stuff in Chicago. The people we talk to, all based here, all roughly our age, similar politic, mostly people of color, uh, all based in Chicago doing really great radio work. So if you get tired of our voice or you just want some other shows that people are making or you're looking to hire some radio producers, Mm. this is a great way to get to know some of the folks who are using this medium to explore and reshape what media looks like in Chicago. That sounds phenomenal. (laughs) So on this episode, we're going to share some of the conversations that we had there, not all of them. If you want to hear the entire set of conversations. Those are available on our SoundCloud. Just look for the Third Coast playlist and you can hear all those in-depth interviews. They're only like eight to 15 minutes long each. So some little bite-sized conversations with these producers. Absolutely. All right, Dame. I know you couldn't be there. Let's bring you into the building at the Third Coast (laughs) International Audio Festival. Let's get it. My name is Erissa. Um, my pronouns are she, her. I live now in the exact same room I lived in when I was fresh out of the womb. <laughs> I'm from Wilmette, Illinois, and my dad got sick a while ago. So I moved back into living with him, which is my childhood home. Mm. How similar is the decoration now than it was when you were, let's say, two? It's different because when I was a younger child, like I think 10 or something, 11, we painted it. It started off purple walls with pink carpet and now it's... Pink walls with purple (laughs) carpet. You would just inverse. (laughs) Yellow walls with blue carpet. Mm, Nice. So speaking of home, where do you feel like your radio home is? Whether that's geographically, sound-wise, professionally, where feels like your radio home? Um, I think my radio home feels like my radio friends and colleagues in this group, I don't know, we like colloquially call each other the coven. I know that that's appropriative to like actual witches. And so I, I sort of am like 
we shouldn't use this word, but we do. That is a extreme level of sensitivity that you're showing and thoughtfulness. That's I'm, excellent. I mean, I mentioned it to somebody and they were like, oh, are you witches? Like, and I was like, no. Today's a bad day for witch appropriation. Today's Halloween. This is a, if, if that's your fight, today is a bad day for that. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. But I think why I consider it my home is because when I think about home, I think about people you can be real with and honest mm. with and who support you and help you grow and hype you up. And that's mm. what I think these people are to me. So mm. that's why I consider it my home. It's people, yeah. not a specific place or region. What does your radio home sound like? It sounds like laughter and good questions, hmm. you know. So one of the things that uh, in talking with people who do radio and people who don't, but when they step onto the mic, often people have this very visceral reaction to hearing their own voice. How are you doing with that? Do you feel comfortable hearing a recording of yourself? And how long did it take before that was the case? Before I got into radio, I was really into film. And mm -hmm. so as a kid, we would do home movies and stuff like that all the time. And I got used to hearing my voice in that context and recognizing, okay, it sounds different. So probably around puberty, I also came into the, you know, people like get their voice at puberty or whatever. Or, <laughs> there was a hard air quote yeah. thrown there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually really love my voice. Mm. I'm not afraid to say it. And people have said I have a really good voice, which just hypes me up even more. Mm. And so yeah. you're lucky, listeners. You're lucky. <laughs> this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, being based in, here in Chicago and being someone who makes audio, what are the sounds that you hear in Chicago that you feel like the other people around you aren't hearing? Wow, that's a great question. And I want to actually hype up Jared Brown, who has an exhibit. I don't know how long this exhibit is open, so mm -hmm. I don't know if it'll be closed by the time people hear this, but at the Poetry Foundation, mm -hmm. which is built all around sounds from Chicago. Jared's a DJ and an artist, and the installation is very cool. So. Jared has an answer to that question <laughs> um, that I wanted to just hype up. We're going to phone a friend. Yeah. But in terms of me, so because I live in Wilmette, a lot of the ways that I interact with the city actually have to do with my car. Mm. When I think about sounds of the city, I think about driving around with my windows rolled down in the summer or spring or fall even. Not today because it is snowing. Yeah. And hearing just the melange of people's car stereos and of the honks, although there really are not that many honks, but or like just the the screech of like truck brakes on I ninety I ninety four, yeah, going through the Jane Burn. That's what yeah, I think of. That is a that is a <laughs> substantial squeak, a, a, a squelch. What was what did you? I'm giving you onomatopoeias. What did you just say? The the screech screech. I think screech. That's yeah, the correct one. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of this one time I was driving. I think on the intersection of Fullerton and Western. Mm -hmm. And literally the previous day I had watched, I don't know if you've seen Jackie Brown. It's a Quentin mm -hmm. Tarantino yeah. movie. And I had watched that movie a day before. And then the very next day, someone was playing that out of their car stereo. Mm. And I was like, wow, serendipity. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's from behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. So we're here at Third Coast. What do you hope this space over the next couple of days provides for you? And what are you trying to contribute to it, if anything? Last year, the thing I got most out of it was like the networking, mm -hmm. like meeting people and sort of putting faces to names that I had seen yeah. um, and connecting with people. And 
that's what I want to get out of it is meet more people, connect with more people because that's how you build, right? Yeah. Like I'm really into building horizontally. And mm -hmm. so I don't want to just like look for jobs and then get jobs in these like legacy media organizations. Like I'm more interested in, oh, this is a really cool person who's interested in doing cool stuff with sound and story. And maybe this connection we make today will lead to a story or a podcast or some collaboration down the line. And then I will also add that I met my current partner at last year's Third hey. Coast. So, <laughs> but I'm not a big looking. mixer. Yeah, That's I'm not <laughs> looking for anyone this year. <laughs> Shout out to them. Yeah. Um, last question, kind of similar to what you were just saying. What are the stories, the spaces, the worlds that you would like to figure out a way to tell about, but you haven't figured it out yet? Oh, just today in a conversation I had it, I misheard them, but I had thought that they said, I feel like stories are too anthropomorphized, meaning we apply the human lens mm -hmm. to them and they're told from the perspective of humans, which is true because we are humans. But I was like, wow. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Daniel is a lizard person. Uh -huh. No. Um, <laughs> but I guess I'm curious about... I feel like there's actually so many answers to that question in so many realms. And mm -hmm. the only answer I'm coming up with right now, because I just was thinking about it like an hour ago, was how could we tell a story from the perspective of plants? Mm. I think Radiolab did an episode about mycelium, right? But not a plant. True. Fungi, not plants. True, true, true. If we're going to get uh, technical about it. <laughs> That's very true. Right, so. I'll, I'll just use uh, Stevie Wonder's album as the outro for this episode. <laughs> he tried it and everyone was like, Stevie, I think you, uh, you went a little too far. So we <laughs> haven't quite figured out the balance yet. Um, before we wrap, how can uh, folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? You can follow me on Twitter. And I think that links to like my website, which is okay. Um <laughs> Um, you give your own website a hard C plus. Yeah. Actually, the, <laughs> the website is easier to spell out. Mm -hmm. So it's E-R-I-S-A-J-A dot -A com. Perfect. Thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you. Enjoy the conference. Thanks. All right. So my name is Fernando Diaz. I grew up in Maryland and I currently stay in Pilsen. Cool. So... Let's start where we've been starting all of these, which is where it feels like your radio home, either geographically, sound-wise, communally. Mm. Where, where, where is your radio home? Wow. I have radio homes. Cool. Look at that. Multiple spots. Yeah. So I would say that I got my deepest experiences and uh, uh, most, I think, genuine appreciation for sound at Reveal uh, mm. from the Center for Investigative Reporting. I was a senior editor for investigations there for almost two years and really got to sit in the booth and sort of get to know Jim Briggs, the sound engineer, and uh, truly capture production, transcription, um, pacing, narrative arc, yeah. uh, story development, characters, tension, those things that like you get exposed to in literature and in theater and other places, but really trying to make things happen. Um, so that's one of my sort of most uh, important homes. Um, the other one is, I think, just 
in my earbuds daily. I have <laughs> um, a range of different shows I listen to. I was just talking to uh, Sean Ali from WBEZ mm-hmm. about the post reports. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's sort of like I have the long form appetite and then I have the short form appetite. Sometimes you just want a little snack. Yeah, you know? a little snack. Yeah. Uh, and now I think we're trying to build a new home. Uh, mm-hmm. So at the Chicago Reporter, really trying to think through what our sound will be yeah. and who it's for. Um, and so I have some ideas there, but they're all just sort of like still in, in the air. Um, and there'll probably be a blend of some of those pieces. Let's stay in the air. What are the ideas that are humming around your ears right yeah, now about what so, the home will look like? Totally. So my last job before joining the Chicago Reporter uh, was as the managing editor of digital at the San Francisco Chronicle. While I grew up in Maryland, I went to school at Columbia College and have basically bounced around a bunch. Okay. But at the San Francisco Chronicle, I tried to port a lot of the structure and process of podcasting from a long form national radio show into a local newsroom. Mm. And so I went and built the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Um, I guess you could say that was uh, another home. I launched 12 shows, um, worked with reporters and editors to create different styles. So we had sports, we had culture, we had pop culture, hard news, uh, investigative pieces. What I learned at at the Chronicle was that it's really hard to build an audience. Yeah. You can make beautiful things. But if nobody knows they're there, um, then they're just beautiful things. And so what I'm trying to do with The Chicago Reporter is first and foremost trying to serve an audience and build an audience, Mm. and then from their scale. So sort of like really try to be experimental at the front with short form, because I think there's still a lot of opportunity for innovation in short form. And then from there, see what sticks and what works with the audience. And then from there, start to scale toward larger, more ambitious projects. Yeah, before you get focused on what it is, let's start with what we do and what resonates with people and what we're doing for the people that we're making this for. Absolutely. How's this building, this house building process going? Are we past the foundation? Are we putting up walls? Where are we at? In the We're we are uh, talking to the architects. Okay. We are <laughs> uh, in the Pinterest board period. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a team that has also a lot of experience in audio. Olivia Biname, who's our product manager, worked on Southside Weekly's mm. um, show. David Eads worked at NPR. Yeah. Um, I worked at Reveal and built a bunch of sort of like. Yeah, snacky shows. (laughs) Um, And so I think what we're trying to do is, A, we're not trying to kill ourselves. B, we know we are not an audio shop. And so we're not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves. And I think where we're trying to get to is, can we make a show we'll listen to? Mm -hmm. And can we do so while still doing our core product and our core work? And that will be the sort of like, taking the architectural renderings and like putting them in CAD or, you know, or or sort of like building the foundation to then see, is this going to be a bungalow? Is it going to be a prefab? Is it going to be a multi-story type thing? You know? Yep. So the the question that I think people should be asking a lot, which it sounds like you are, is who is our audience as specifically as possible? Yeah. And what are we hoping to contribute to them? Totally. So not to make you, you know, give away the plans. Yeah. When you envision, I don't someone- mind giving away the plans because <laughs> if great. somebody steals it, then at least we'll get to listen to it faster. <laughs> sure. That's you know why you mean? make something you want to yep, hear. There you go. But who do you imagine is listening to the thing that you will ultimately make, and what do you hope you're contributing to them and to the city? The name of the show is Wake Up Chicago <laughs> because I think that there's a lot of noise in news. The way I've tried to articulate it to some of my friends is, if you have up first over here which is the NPR Daily Show, yep. a seven-minute thing, and you have the Daily over here, 
which is more of like a national deeper dive, mm -hmm. but it's usually one story. Then you have uh, the post reports, um, which is, you know, seven to 15 minutes, mostly headlines with like an expository open. Mm -hmm. What's the woke version of that? Mm -hmm. What's the social justice version of that? Right. The stuff that's not top news. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, when you think about your balanced breakfast, you know, <laughs> you got your Cheerios, you got your grapefruit, you know, and you got your toast. And yeah. I feel like. Well, you were eating healthy breakfast. Right. Um, your grits, your bacon, <laughs> and, you yeah, uh, and your biscuit. Um, I think there's still a lot of room for opportunity and innovation in the local space. Mm. It maps to our advantage. And I don't see that product or that show yeah. out there. And I want it. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, well, if we can just modify our approach, could we create such a thing? Because yeah. I know there are people like me who probably listen to those other shows and are asking themselves, can somebody just make that show? Especially about my home. Yeah. So one of the things that I hear over and over again from people both who spend a lot of time talking into microphones and not is the initial and just general discomfort with hearing their own voice recorded yeah. back to them. Yeah. Where are you in that process? How long did it take you to get comfortable if you're there yet? I've gotten more comfortable over time because I have a terrible smoking habit. And so the complex that I have is that I sound higher than I think. Mm -hmm. And so like when I, for years when I would order a pizza, they'd you mean be like, like audio high? Yeah, audio like high. So pitch. like, yeah, pitch. Yeah. So like, I, you know, I'd order a pizza and they'd be like, thank you, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't feel like I sound like a woman, yeah. but everybody on the other end is always, you know, referencing <laughs> a, a lady. Yeah. I've gotten over that because I think, I know I can't adjust my voice and I've worked a lot more on trying to address the ums yeah. and trying to pre-think a response so that I'm not stammering through it. Mm. And to me, if I can limit the stammer, I don't care how I sound because I'm clearer in the actual content itself. For sure. That comfort with your own voice and then you can work around. It doesn't mean that you don't have room to grow and improve, right. but it's like, this is who I am. This totally. is what comes out of me. Yep. So last question. Yeah. Um, we're here at Third Coast, which is the space of you know, people who use this medium in so many different mm -hmm. ways. And sometimes it becomes very focused on the medium and less about the message or the message becomes talk about the medium, yep. which is okay. But for you, whether it's on this new endeavor or just in general, what are the stories, the worlds, the people whose stories you want to tell but haven't figured out how to yet? Mm, that's a great question. I feel like one of those other homes, like the Airbnb is resound, mm -hmm. um, you know, which I've been a fan of, um, you know, since I was in college. And this is my first third coast, despite having lived in Chicago for many years. And um, mine too. Yeah. And I think like I see this as the con meets Le Mans. So it's like there's going to be a lot of people who are doing, and I, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but sort of like podcasts, yeah. you know, um, capital P O D. Yeah. Capital P O D. And then there are other people who are going to be pushing the bounds. Yeah. And so for me, I'm really interested to see like fusion between different styles. Like I'm really not interested in the true crime, uh, genre, but it's super popular. People love that shit. Yeah. And I am astounded but the amount of people are like, Oh, I love podcasts. I listen to 40 hours of true crime podcasts a week. Right. And I'm like, First of all, what is that doing to your brain? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, that is just this whole other use of the medium for a different method right. and message. Yeah, Right. So for me, it's sort of like 
Are there experiences? Are there oral uh, technologies? I remember when I was at, in San Francisco, um, I, st- I got exposed to binaural uh, recording knowing that you'll have two ears, right? Mm. Um, Zoom has this badass uh, 360 microphone, right? And I'm sort of like, like I kind of want to play with that, not because that's going to be the Daily Bread show, right. but it's like, are there ways that we could mess with that? Yeah. I remember when I had joined um, Reveal, they had done a piece on solitary. <laughs> um, and the way they did that piece was they interviewed a young man who had actually spent time in solitary got his sort of whole take, right? Then they use that sound with a a graphic artist to create a video. It's very visceral Mm. because you're seeing this black and white drawings with this uh, person's voice. And I'm kind of like, man, if you had a 360 mic inside of a solitary cell and just did nothing. The echo, the, yeah. Yeah, like have someone breathe. Yeah. So you can hear what that is, you know? Does that drive the sort of sense of place more strongly yeah. because of the absence of sound. But you can still hear the, like you said, the echo and the bounce in such a constrained space. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I'm really excited. I don't know what is gonna come of Third Coast, but I'm, I'm hoping that we'll have one of those experiences or one of those shows. And as I mentioned, I was talking to Sean Ali at WBZ and he's like, hey, you should reach out to us because we're constantly looking to partner with people and work on things and ideas. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not really into like a podcast like that. Yeah. But, and then in talking to him, I got like four other ideas. So yeah. There's lots of things to make. Yeah, exactly. How can uh, folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Uh, ChicagoReporter.com is the way to find us online and all all the social channels. Uh, My handle on um, Twitter is The Future Was Now. Um, (laughs) And we are downtown in Chicago, 111 West Jackson. We love having people come to the newsroom. pop in. Pop in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let us know um, what we can do better. Cool. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great conference. Thanks. My name is Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, around the border with Wisconsin, uh, the state line, if mm-hmm. you will. And I live in Logan Square. Cool. So let's start with what I've been starting with everybody. Where is your radio home? Where do you feel like at home in this medium? Oh, that's a weird question. What do you mean? Can what have other people been saying? I'm not going to tell you what okay, other people have been fair, saying, but yeah, it, it's what they do. When, uh, it doesn't have to be geographic. It could be like when you think about where your work fits in context, where your work feels at home, where the things you listen to fit in. Yeah. Okay. My radio home is in Rockford. I may do stuff in Chicago and I'll always do stuff in Chicago, hopefully, but my home is Rockford. And so the kind of stories that I've been working on lately are in Rockford. So like the sounds of Rockford, which is like sprawl and, <laughs> uh, strip malls kind of and really funny little downtowns and a big river in the middle that's kind of those are the sounds that i've been working with what does a strip mall sound like what does a strip mall so it's big parking so it's a bunch of cars Mm -hmm. it's huge parking lots and it's (laughs) a bunch of cars and it's highways that turn into main streets it's uh (laughs) yeah i don't know what are the stories you've been telling in rockford so right now the story that i'm working on is about this I don't want to give away too much, but okay. So essentially what happened is, so one of the biggest economic engines in Rockford, one of the things that people have always counted on historically uh, as a place that they could make money, that they could go have a job and like work there, have a pension their whole life, was this car plant in Northern Illinois, uh, in Belvedere, which is outside of Rockford. But 
they just found out earlier this year that they were going to cut a third of all the people who work there, which hmm. is a ton. That's yeah. 1,400 people. That's 1,400 jobs. Yeah. I don't know anybody in Rockford who doesn't know somebody who works there. <laughs> and so, like, in my case, like, three of my relatives got cut. Wow. You know, so, like, it, it just it just affects, I don't know. I'm sure it's affected everybody. Um, so it's felt really big. But essentially what's happened is that because they're unionized, fortunately, they had, like, a way out. Right. Hmm. So they had two options. Either they could wait in Rockford and they could wait for a callback. And if they got the callback, then sure, they'd be first in line for a job. That's unlikely. Assuming that new jobs came. Assuming that new right. jobs are coming. But that's unlikely if like, we look at the trend of where new manufacturing is happening, which yeah. is like Indiana and Michigan. Right? Mm-hmm. The second option, which is like way freaking crazier, is that they said, okay, you can keep your job. But what's going to happen is we're going to pick a new factory for you to go to. And we'll let you know when you have to move via a letter. So <laughs> when they get a letter, I know this is, it's crazy. So <sighs> what happens is they get a letter and they open the letter and the letter says, you've been sent to Toledo. Right. They have 21 days after that letter to move, have like an apartment, a house, uh, have daycare figured out for their kids, have schooling figured out for their kids, and then start work like on that. And so they, they have no... Um... No list of preferences of what cities stand up. It's just where there's a position. Yeah. Okay. That's to be fair. There's like a list of preferences, which mm-hmm. is like you can go to Toledo or you can go to Dundee, Michigan, and maybe you can go to Detroit. Right. Uh, so there were some options. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to talk about options when like it's like the only source of income that you have. And you all those I mean? options are not home. And they're not home. So... That's what I've been working on. And that story mm. has been so crazy hard. So mm. crazy hard. Because reporting in places that aren't Chicago, that aren't big cities, um, just presents its own challenges. When I've done stories in in Chicago, it's like you can walk around with a microphone in your hand and like anybody on the street will just come up to you and be like, what's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, like it's easy. It's so not like, easy, but it's like... People are just like, would you provide an opportunity for me to talk about myself? <laughs> yeah, and you know, people, yeah, yeah, and it'll happen. You know, it's just like, it's like an easier process here. People know what they're dealing with. They yeah. know what media is, right? You know, they have, they have like WBZ, they have WGN, they have ABC News. They have, they have, they like know what the outlets are here. Yeah. In places like Rockford, they do too, to a certain sense, but there's like this whole ambivalence about it. <laughs> Like, I remember when I was doing my outreach, just like finding people. This is like the wildest amount of outreach that I've ever done. I hit up more than 80 people. All of them like either didn't respond or said no. Wow. This one dude called the cops on me. <laughs> and I was like, and that never happened to me. Yeah. I had to call one of my editors from back here, back home in Chicago. And I was like, what do I, like, what do, I do? Like, did I break a rule? Like, what's the, yeah. like, what happens now? And then they're like, literally nothing. Like, <laughs> You didn't break the law, so you're fine. Uh, but it's just, it's just like, I think that just illustrates the difference, you know? Like, yeah. there, like, there are Facebook groups where people were, like, calling me a scammer because I was like, can I come talk to you? Uh, <laughs> and here, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, what's good? Uh, it's just different. That's an interesting marker of an effective reporter is if you've been called a scammer on the internet. That seems like a good benchmark. Yeah, and there's, like, I don't even know how many threads on these Facebook groups where it's just like, don't talk to this person. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. So were they mostly people you'd never met, even though you grew up there? Um, yeah. I mean, these were people like I'd find them on Facebook groups where yeah. I do a lot of my work, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I'd go on these Facebook groups. I'd post these things and people would just be like, yeah, F this. Like, we can't trust you. And then people would be like, no one talk to reporters. It was crazy. And it mm-hmm. still is crazy. Like, 
up until this morning, I nailed somebody down that was like down to talk to me. Hmm. This is really interesting, right? Because so much of what people talk about here, and I was just in this uh, like breakout group of people who make radio not on a coast, right? And yeah. and there's this perceived and in some ways real sense of like we're in these pockets that are either insulated, self-insulated, or intentionally separated from the worlds around them. And it is our, you know, responsibility as, quote, dutiful reporters to, like, cross these lines and find out what's happening in these other places, as opposed to imagining them as our, like, angry neighbors. Yeah. Which is, you know, this which is the in town you're from. They are. Right, right. Which is fine, too. People have angry neighbors. Yeah. We just usually don't have to go up to them with microphones and ask them questions. Right, exactly. Oh, that's really funny. So what are the lessons you've learned so far from this? Or what are the questions beyond, did I break a rule? What are some things you're learning about how to approach people who might not want to talk to you? Yeah, 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 for sure. So this gets into, they're not really my angry neighbor. You know, that's <laughs> like, that's just, at the end of the day, that's not who they are. They're somebody who is really scared. Not scared, it's not the right word. They're really ambivalent about this process. They're ambivalent about uh, what their role in this process is. And yeah. clearly they've like heard something or are familiar with somebody or something that's been telling them that like, people who do this reporters are like not on their side and so you really have to wonder like oh snap like even if like in my case that's not the case like i wouldn't do that you have to right. think okay like we got to get back and we got to do like the right work to be right like, the onus falls on you yeah. not on them yeah and so like i remember i'd be in these facebook groups and Man, you're spending too much time on I know, facebook. I know. that's it's, the real problem yeah that's the real problem right <laughs> like yeah just log off already but I'd get in there and like these people would just start saying stuff at me. They'd be like, I don't get why we need the story. Why is the story important? Mm. And like they would just go off. And at some point I had to be like, okay, like, do I not respond? Like, is that like the professional thing to do? And then I was like, no, like, I think I have to respond and I have to like be very, very forthright about like literally everything, like step by step, what I want to do, why, and like what's going on here. So what's so, your like, answer to that question? So it was, so people were like, I don't get it. Like, why would we need this? And it'd be like, okay, I think we need this for a couple of reasons. Right now, unions are facing like unprecedented attack in this country. And any like story that focuses on unions is like essential. <laughs> you know, I remember one lady was like, okay, like we know 1300 people lost their job. What else is there to say? And I was like, you're right. 1300 people did lose their job. But you know, when we look at the numbers, it's closer to 2200 people when we like add all the people who are suppliers to Fiat Chrysler. Right. There's more there. Not to mention their families. Not, not to, to mention their mention families, them. what those people are going through. You know, like, for example, like my brother had to miss his daughter's first day of school because of the move. Hmm. You know, like that's psycho. That's like yeah. on, in what country is that allowed? And I think that kind of stuff, talking about that kind of stuff is important. Mm. Um, and so like I had to be very, very uh, forthright with them and be like, I don't think I've gotten like Facebook thread back to like back you know like <laughs> I, I haven't done that like since high school and yeah. even then i was like yeah lol like Still i was like, like yeah. this isn't the wave yeah i know exactly <laughs> and so it was just like really funny uh doing that but i think it's like what i had to do if that's the story i wanted to tell yeah in figuring out how to tell that story one of the things that i've been asking people about because i watch it happen over and over again whether they're people who have been on the radio a lot or are just getting started listening back and editing people have this very visceral response to hearing their own voice where are you at in that if you are comfortable with it now how long did it take and what does it mean to you to hear your own voice recorded back to you 
Yeah. This is so stupid. I have like a really funny drafted tweet about this. Uh, <laughs> We're just deep uh, in the drafts here. This yeah, is good. It's, it's The tweet is like, it's so cool listening to your voice recorded because it's like, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm gay. Like, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> we have audio confirmation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like and I remember being like, oh, like I could do some real numbers with this one, but I'm storing it. Uh, listening to your voice sucks. <laughs> it does. Until you get to a point where you're like, oh, it's kind of funny though, too. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like almost enjoyable. That's not to say I like to listen to myself talk. It's more to say that, like, at some point, you just got to roll with the punches. You yeah. know, like, nobody likes their voice. It's just, yeah. your voice sucks, you know? It just <laughs> does. <laughs> and people and people who like their voice, like, that's psycho. That's, that's terrifying. psycho. Yeah, I'm terrified if you do, you know? <laughs> All right, so last question. We're already talking about a story that you're figuring out how to tell. Are there any other stories or worlds or narratives that you want to figure out how to tell and create audio about but you haven't figured out how to do it yet oh that's a crazy question um this is a story that i've been wanting to work on since the summer (laughs) and i'm like dying to figure out how to do it like i've been like on google trying to figure this out i want to do shout out to all of the websites by the way google twitter and facebook i couldn't do it without them them. thank (laughs) you thank you for harvesting my data thank you overlords Uh, (laughs) um but there's this story that i'm dying to do which is just a month in a va just like the same VA room and just talking to the people there and being like, okay, what happens? What's changing? What's like, what stays Mm. the same? What's not in part because the VA is like, it's in the process of getting like massively privatized. And that's been the case for years, but a specific ordinance was passed where like the VA is really getting affected. Um, And so I would just love to get in a VA with a microphone and be like, what the fuck's going on in here? Mm. Um, Because VAs are crazy places. VA is like, for one, they're like the closest thing we have to socialized medicine in this country, but also like veterans just go to VAs to hang out. Like hmm. you just go to freaking chill over there, you know? So it's just like That's so interesting. It's like cause I had to take one of my neighbors back in Rockford to the VA sometimes. And I'd be like, dude, Frank, what's wrong? And he was like, I just gotta go see my buddy. And they would just go over there and freaking hang out. And I'd be like, okay, like just call me when you need to get picked up or something. But I'm sure that's the case here too, you know. Yeah. Like in so many cases, these people are people who don't have necessarily a lot of family. And it's interesting the places where they do find and make family. And it's really interesting when those places are getting like actively privatized. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'd love to hear that story. Send yeah, it to me once you do it. Yeah, right. Once you, once you get a microphone into the VA. Yeah, um, fingers crossed. I know I said last question before, but this is really the last question. We're here at Third Coast, um, which is this, you know, wild convergence of people with so much focus on the medium that we all operate in. What's something that you are looking for help with? or information about and what's something that you feel like you can bring to this room of people something that i like i'm trying to learn here is i think like since last year's third coast i think the one thing that i came back having a feeling about is that like the most cool thing that happens in third coast are the people you meet like the sessions are tight it's so cool that these people are putting these presentations together but at the end of the day like the people who are sitting like left to you and to the right of you that's so much more fun. Like those are some of my favorite Twitter followers. Those are like mutuals, really. I've made like some good friends at Third Coast, for sure. And the thing that I would be able to contribute to this, I'm done to help with whatever, but the most essential thing I'll do is like, I'll introduce you to anybody. <laughs> uh, and I've like, yeah, that's like the one thing I'll be like, okay, let's get this going. Let's get everybody talking. Let's, Just a, a radio yeah. wing person. Let's all I be in it. the same Facebook group is what I'm trying to do. 
but different from the Facebook group we were talking about from before. That one. Let's yeah. make a different. No cyberbullying in this one. Um, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, how can folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Oh, find me on Twitter. Let me get my Twitter handle up. It's uh, oh, I might have changed it. It's at J W N N P B L O. Follow me. It's pretty funny. I like that. Thank you for sitting down with me and uh, chopping it up. Thanks for having me. Have a great conference. <laughs> yeah, thank you. My name is Lee Mengistu. I stay in Hyde Park and I'm an audio producer. But on my business card that I just got printed up, it says I'm audio slash dream producer. Ooh. Um, <laughs> it's very cheesy, uh, but I'm trying to, you know, put put out into the world what I want to get back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I am the dream producer because the front says, like, what do your wildest dreams sound like? Hmm. What is it about dreams that you want to figure out what they sound like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just it could just be something that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been getting more, I was like, you know, played like piano and clarinet and stuff as a kid. So I've been doing more like music stuff Mm. just for myself because it doesn't sound that great. But um, more music stuff, more, you know, composing is definitely an interest. But just, you know, I want to be in a place where clients come to me and um, are like, hey, I have this vision. And I'm like, okay, let's execute it. I am your dream producer. Mm. Ah, I see yeah. what you did there. I like that. So, so let's let's zoom out for one sec. Um, where, if anywhere, feels like your radio home? Oh, jeez. Where are the sounds and the the audio world that feel like home? Mm. Wow, that's it. Probably where I got my start, uh, which was Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, shout out to them. I'm not from there. <laughs> but I went to school there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from mostly from Kentucky. Uh, for some reason, one of my teachers in college just put me in charge of a community radio station. I don't know why, <laughs> why I knew nothing, but she was just like, you're hired. Like there was no, mm-hmm. it was literally, I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, I would like just want an internship. At this. She's like, you're good. You're hired. Let's do it. <laughs> they know. really needed someone. <laughs> they did. They and did. They're like, this person seems capable. <laughs> I wasn't. Of being here. <laughs> Right now. Not, yeah. Yeah. I was just standing there. So, and I had a pulse. So it worked. I wasn't like in charge, in charge, but mm-hmm. just they just wanted more help with like the news portion of it. And I don't even know if I did that much, but I at least got to, you know, like have my own show and like I had like a public affairs show and stuff. And I just learned a lot about, you know, hosting, producing in general, had some internships there and just, yeah, really got my start. And also just Kentucky, just. You know, mm-hmm. as much as I don't like to claim it sometimes because it's not the most, I won't down it. But, you know, yeah. people think Kentucky, they're like, Kentucky Fried Chicken and like barefoot people, which, but um, whenever I do like touchdown in Kentucky, I'm like, okay, this does feel like mm-hmm. I'm comfortable, I guess. Yeah. How about as a listener? What feel like the radio sounds that you're most at home in? Mm. I would say the accents. Kentuckians definitely do have accents, even though people try not to like claim it as the South because they're like, technically, you're like Midwest-ish. It's the South. It's culturally the South. Oh, man, when you got here, I bet you got a rude awakening about that argument. <laughs> <laughs> South could be a South is a state of mind. Nobody loves to define the Midwest more than various degrees of Midwesterners. Yeah. That's like a real passion project. Oh, yeah. And yeah. from what I hear, Chicago's the capital. According to Chicago. <laughs> Chicago, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, d- I definitely think like the accents of people in Kentucky, even though I don't have one myself, 
Um, people from Louisville have like one of the most beautiful accents in mm. my opinion, because it's just like, I don't know. You live in technically what people in Kentucky would consider a city. And yet it's like almost as thick as like you're in Appalachia, basically. Mm. Okay, not that heavy, but like it's thick. I love it. Whenever I was in school, I would like ask my local friends to talk to me just so I could hear their voice. <laughs> just read me this paragraph. <laughs> right. It's, just, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, that and just like um, just the quiet mm. of, you know, being in the country. I grew up in a very small town near a lake. So I suppose water sounds as well. Hmm. So one of the things that I observe a lot in myself and in other people when they start branching into this medium is a visceral discomfort with hearing their own voice recorded. How was that experience for you at first? And how are you doing with it now? Here's the thing. I had like a self-fulfilling prophecy when I was a kid. Love a self-fulfilling prophecy. The best kind of prophecy. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I had a t-shirt when I was like nine that said, you have a face for radio, (laughs) which was an insult to others. But I now realize was just an insult and prophecy for myself Mm. of just like, this is your destiny. I don't know. I just grew up people telling me that I had a nice voice. So maybe I just came in to hear cocky. Like, I don't don't mind my voice, honestly. I feel like I could read you a phone book. It's not, you know, necessarily the most beautiful, but. No, you have a wonderful radio voice. Thank you. That was me fishing. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about this self-fulfilling prophecy, and I don't want to like disturb the, the myth you've made, is that at nine years old, you probably weren't able to purchase your own clothes. So who bought you a shirt that said, Great I have question. a face for radio? Um, and I'm good job positive. flipping it. But. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost positive it was my parents because I remember distinctly around that time we went to Oshkosh Bagash mm. and went ham. Gang, gang. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so that's where, oh no, it was the children's place. It was Ooh. the children's place. RIP, do they still exist? I haven't been a child in a while and I don't have a child. I'm in that like that buffer zone where I'm nowhere near the no children's idea. place. I am no. firmly in the adult's place. I pay taxes now. I'm in the IRS place. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. So you're here in Chicago now. Yeah. And we're here in the first day at Third Coast Fest. What are you hoping to find in Chicago as an audio maker? And what are some of your hopes for your time here at the festival? I'm trying to find work. Mm-hmm. Put it uh, out there. Cut the my, check. <laughs> period. Um, my website is leemangisu.com. That's M-E-N as in Nancy G-I-S as in Susan T-U.com. Uh, hit me up um, <laughs> because it's hard. Yeah. Um, I've been here for like four or five months and I came in here with clients, none of whom are like based here. And that worked up until literally today. Mm. <laughs> I just posted the last episode of a season and I am free for the rest of the year. So I need work. I like applied to a gig at WBZ. There was an author here uh, who like was supposed to have like an audiobook, And I hit her people up and I was like, hey, let me know. Like, because it was it's just a cool book. So I'm like, if you want someone to do sound design. Yeah. I can try, so <laughs> or at least produce the thing. So, uh, yeah, I've been trying, but it's hard. It's yeah, hard. yeah. So, in addition to the like, let's pay the bills work, which is very real. What is a story or a setting or a world that you want to tell the world about that you haven't figured out how to do it yet? Mm. I want to do, even though I have like a very like journalism esque background 
I want to do more audio fiction. That's like what got me into audio in the first place. Like when I was a kid, we weren't allowed to watch TV on school days because Mm. I had fob parents who were very strict and still are to this day, even though I am an adult mom. Uh, She's a big listener, so that'll be useful. Yeah, no, she's definitely tuned in. Um, There was an audio fiction, like children's audio fiction program that I used to listen to as a kid Mm. called Adventures in Odyssey, put out by Focus on the Family, who I think, now that I realize they're like homophobic as fuck, so like, (laughs) but uh, I like the stories. They were genuine. And there was not an agenda. I'm getting off the topic. Anyway, um, (laughs) doing audio fiction stuff is an audio fiction anthology that's uh, asking for pitches that um, relate to stories of like a positive future. Because a lot of the times, Hmm. you know, we love a dystopia. (laughs) We love a good dystopia. Knee deep in dystopia. Yeah. Yummy. Tell me how we're all going to die soon. Yeah. You know? How the earth is dying along with us. Nah, she'll be good. But um, recently I've been like more, you know, looking into like prison abolition. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what does a world without prisons look like? I don't know. But it wouldn't be interesting to just like look it up. Like just like create a story in which, you know, there's like compassion and stuff. I don't know. And it would probably sound pretty cool. An, An abolitionist future is a great soundscape, in my opinion. That's a word. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the type of stuff. And in terms of like dream producer, that is like my dream to like do fiction work that relates to like putting out ideas that we haven't seen illustrated yeah. very often. That's beautiful. Thank you for sitting down with me. Uh, how can folks uh, find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Again, my website is Lee, L-E-E, Mengistu, M-E-N as in Nancy, G-I-S as in Susan, T-U dot com. Hit me up. I need work. I can put a little chat show for you together. I can I can do more if you want to do like some reporting stuff. I don't do tape syncs because I don't have a kid, but that's okay. I do other producing. <laughs> Hit me up. I'm here. You can do all the things that the people who can do tape syncs can't do. I'm not going to down them because, you know, producers we're, we're, No, no, so. no. We're, we're firing shots over here. <laughs> no shots. No shots fired on this side. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, thank you for talking with me. Thank you. My name is Ari Mejia, and I grew up in like North Lakeview, and uh, right now I live in Humboldt Park. Cool. So let's start where I've been starting with all of these uh, interviews, which is where is your radio home? Oh, man. I feel at home in the medium, um, honestly, in community with other audio makers that I've met along the way in my audio journey, so to speak, um, with other people that are interested in the same types of narratives and um, resisting of basically (laughs) public radio um, that that I am and generating content and feelings and thoughts around the kind of stuff we want to make and nurture each other in making Mm -hmm. um, because in this freelance difficult time it's not like about the job and and being someone that comes from a DIY background all around in like every aspect it's and and my background in community organizing mm. that brought me to audio it's really about the connections and so I'm at home um, in audio when I'm in collaboration when I'm sharing my work with people that I adore love and respect and like know they love and adore and respect me back mm. I love what uh what you said about your entry into the medium being through 
organizing work and that it was a tool, it sounds like, in that work. And I think sometimes that can be tough to remember in a space like this at the conference, which is so much about the medium. And sometimes the medium crosses over and becomes the message. And it's like, what do you make? I make radio or I make audio or I make podcasts. No, no, no. What are you making? <laughs> like, what are you actually, what are you contributing and to whom? Yeah. Um, so for you, when did it emerge that this was a tool that you wanted to have at your disposal? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that also just to like bring in like to talk about Phoebe because yeah, right ne next to me is one of my collaborators. We were just going to pretend there wasn't another person in the room. <laughs> well, I want to like also because we met at Third Coast okay. last year where another collaborator, another friend, but who turned collaborator mm -hmm. had kind of brushed up against Phoebe at the Allied Media Conference. Okay. Another amazing space yeah, that I yeah, think yeah. that actually, shout out to AMC. And I think that also the organizers of Third Coast are really like trying to take pages from Allied Media Conference and should be. And like, I know that that, that about them is like aspiring to actually uh, challenge audio too in the ways that hmm. you can maybe you want to cut that anyways I don't know um, I spent my 20s basically working odd jobs to like go traveling and some of those odd jobs were canvassing I often canvassed for it was like the mid uh, you know right after the Iraq war had just started mm -hmm. this really politicized me and I thought like everybody you know like oh these people around me are like so cool and hot and we're all like give it we really care oh, <laughs> okay man. cut that too no, nobody's um, sexier than a canvasser <laughs> you know I what I'm saying like I'm like wow you can talk to anybody and you can like feel heard like talking to anybody and connecting was just very romantic to mm -hmm. me and also when you're talking about something that is present and that was what was happening in my moment when I was around 18 or 19 so that was my 20s that led me to working at the Chicago Women's Health Center and I worked there for four years where I became a health educator which is essentially I was like being one-on-one -on -one conversations going deep with people about their health and the thing about that is essentially this is a very specific type of interview yeah. and at the time I was like falling in love with audio and and realizing like, you know, like direct service in a nonprofit, oof, this is really draining me. I want to be making art in the ways that is like coming to me right now and combining all my practices of, of music, of writing, of activism. And so, like you said, like, and part of our practice in this collective that I'm in right now, coming to audio and storytelling from essentially a feminist theory and framework that our stories, our superpower, are our most mm -hmm. um, important tool in organizing and social change. So I have those elements in the narrative work while simultaneously interested so deeply in talking about structure and sound design in these in these other realms that yeah. also kind of push against these these frameworks and structures too. Yeah, so let's talk about the the collective a little bit. What are some ways that uh, the praxis from that theoretical framework shows up in the like nitty-gritty of making audio? Yeah, well, so I I just to name like what happened was um, I came to Third Coast mm -hmm. and I found that like organizing in general, like we're, we're finding our, our peers, like our people that are, I mean, it sounds dumb to be like on our level, but like I was new to audio and I was most interested in other people that were in the same place as me, we could build together. Yeah. And so I met Phoebe, who's sitting next to me at Third Coast. And beep, 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 beep. I'm like, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Chicago, I'm in from LA. <laughs> <laughs> and um and and then I was shortly going to visit LA after that and Phoebe has a has a podcast called Bitch Face with her collaborator NK. And NK and I, we really just love like smart people who love to party also. So Ari was like coming to our we met at Third Coast and then Ari was like, I'm gonna be in LA. And I was like, oh my God, NK and I are doing this live event at this like historic black lesbian club in LA. And like it's gonna be this really rad event. You should come. And then Ari came and like hit it off with NK and we just like started forming real friendships, which is mm -hmm. like the best basis for 
a collective or like collaborating on work because we're like building real trust with each other, which is yeah. like so helpful for like making work. Yeah. I would make something and they were essentially like my editors, you know, mm -hmm. and we were each other's editors in a way that felt like really safe and nurturing. And, you know, Mara Laser, who lives in New Orleans, is a, was a friend of mine, is, was, Mara Laser is a friend of mine. Don't discuss it. But now is like my audio family. And mm -hmm. this just is really, all this is core to the practice because it's about accountability and like, we're going to make things at this time and share it with each other in this moment. And essentially we created a DIY residency together because we all got rejected from Ragdale at the same time. <laughs> and so that also started our, our collective. What a bonding experience to just mutual rejection. We were like in, we were Seriously. together in New York and all like got our rejection emails at like the same time. Seriously, together at the same time so we all we were got like, rejected. Well, let's do our, and Ari was like really persistent, was like, let's do our own thing. And like kind of, mm everyone really committed and we got it was like two months later we were in the mountains outside of LA and I don't beautiful Idlewild California yeah, Phoebe has had like a friend that she knew a friend that had a house and like you know also finding our resources near us and yeah. being like what can we do to to build together and build our audio practice individually yeah. and collectively there is nothing solo ever so let's stop fronting like it is you know yeah. I feel like that um or your original question about like how it shows up I definitely think like all the collective mm -hmm. stuff that we're saying and also just like in the ways that we make the work and uh, the people we're around that make the work in the sense of like really breaking down these sort of like journalism ethics that we've all yeah. taught to be like the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like, no, we're working in these newer mediums and we can shape like the new rules for that. And so like for like being specific, it's like the people that you make work about, you know, mm -hmm. like how do you communicate with them? Like yeah. what is your relationship like? Like it just like, I feel like it carries over into all the ways that we make the work and it's like, we love discussing it too. Yeah. There's no idea of like, well, this is my work approach to a person and this is my like human approach to a person. It's like, how do you create within a human approach to someone? Absolutely. Yeah. So I love hearing about kind of finding your, your people. That's always, I think professionally, but even just like personally, such a challenging and wonderful and exciting and terrifying journey. Uh, being here at the festival this year, how, how long ago was it the first time you came? It was it a year ago? Last year. I was a volunteer last year. So now being one year later, what are the different terrors you feel walking into this place? Because I feel intimidated <laughs> walking in here. This is my first time here. So what, what feel, or not, I won't frame it as the terrors. Yeah, no. What it's feels okay. different <laughs> this year in a good way or maybe in a challenging way? Um, well, we pitched a session mm. to Third Coast and we are presenting a session hey. uh, this year, which that in itself is quite a, I want to just say it like a sweaty, sexy challenge. Yeah, a sweaty experience, which is what our session is about. It's about sweaty concepts, which is a theory that Sarah Ahmed, her, her coin theory about just creating language around your experience is difficult in a context of where your stories are marginalized and there are there wasn't language before your stories before you made that language. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so we carved out a space where, you know, we're talking about this, this session is for queers, for POC, uh, for trans people, for women. I mean, I think that to just really like hold that and go there with that is kind of always a challenge. And I would say that we've come into it this year, like with that very intention, not just in our session, but just being like, we're here to like, I don't know what to say it, like fuck up audio space and like bring this anti-white supremacist, like cis indoctrined mm -hmm. radio world that we are all in and to be like, 
we're here to fuck that up. So, I mean, also, like, I've come, like you said, I came in this interview with my friend. I'm just, like, I've built people into my fold from last year, and I feel so held. So I actually, like, don't feel like, oh, my God, so many radio superstars because Phoebe is my radio superstar, yeah. and, like, I'm always kind of like, where is my radio superstar? <laughs> I was waiting for you to return the favor. I was like, I this is to say, like, for real, I'm, like, often, like, cleaning my room or I'm up, like, late at night and I'm like, I just want to listen to some audio that, like, makes me think and makes me feel and, like, makes me feel really good. And often I just end up listening to Ari SoundCloud, like, over and over, honestly, which <laughs> is great. SoundCloud. I don't have a website, but I sure have a SoundCloud. <laughs> don't we all? You know, if there's one thing we have, it's SoundClouds. <laughs> but I feel like even, like, meeting you now, yeah, I'm like, now yeah. you're, now, like, I'm going to go listen to every, all your stuff and you're going to be I in my you. new videos, yeah. like, celebrity. And I feel like we need to just, like, keep knowing that like we all got celebrities in our midst all the time yeah, yeah and the other thing is that we have in our different worlds there are different people that hold that place right so like there are people who are known in these rooms and that creates some sort of prestige and they walk outside that's not the case and that's not to denigrate those people that's like let's project that understanding onto how like our or I'll say for me on like how my goals exist right so the goal isn't just to be known in the room it's to think about what happens when you walk out of that room and how do you engage with the rest of the world a couple more questions. So sure. building off that, one of the things that I hear over and over again from people who are just getting their start in radio or even have been doing it for a while is the gradual and eventual uh, process of becoming comfortable with hearing your own voice on recording. Where are you each in that journey? And if you feel like you're there, how long did it take? Go first. I'm on my way. I don't know. I used to really, I definitely hated it at the mm -hmm. beginning. I also used to, I worked in public radio. And so I was like a whiz at like editing out all your ums and shit. <laughs> and so I would heavily edit myself on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even do that for my co-host because like, because <laughs> she didn't, I mean, because I was like, I don't, yeah. I literally don't hear the the things. And she's also like way more eloquent than I am. So like, that's a thing. But I, I did edit myself more heavily. And I, I do feel like, a lot of people's work, like like James T. Green, who we're listening to, like one of my editors right now, Sharon Mashihi, like some of their work is like performative and is like, you know, very practiced and everything. But I also think just like hearing the real, if you're, if you're talking, like that can add so much texture sometimes. Yeah. And I really just think the importance of like, I am the only person that can speak in the exact way that I do. And like, I feel like I sort of like psyched myself into liking the sound of my voice by like believing in those type of, you know, things about it. Like, and I took Sarah Geis's workshop on finding my voice and that was really helpful. Like just sort of being like, no, there's like a reason that you should like keep in all the stuff, you mm -hmm. know? What about you? Yeah, I think that um, I definitely am still finding it and I'm listening to a, a lot of audio that um, makes me think and feel and I'm, I'm learning as I go. I mean, I am very much in a learning space and that's like, I really haven't figured it out, but I, I get a lot of feedback about, cause I find myself being a little performative. It's hard not to like, is there's a microphone in front of you. Exactly. And I am also feeling like I'm performing for myself. Like that's when I have the most fun is when I'm, I'm like performing my audio for myself. And then I get the feedback that's like, I just want to hear you, how you really talk. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine. So that, I, <laughs> I'm still, I'm actually really just still figuring it out. I don't have an answer. Yeah. Last question. So there's the things that we're working on now. There's the growth that happened over the last year. What is a story, a world, a person, a community that you want to make audio about that you haven't figured out how to yet? I, I want to shout out. I love dream questions. Oh, we have it. to dream it before it can happen. What's the point of a future if we're not imagining it? You know, what <laughs> are we even doing here? 
I'm like, you know, the right ideas. <laughs> um, there's two things. One, I really want to do some a story or a piece, multiple pieces, what have you, about the AIDS epidemic in Chicago mm -hmm. specifically and like ACT UP Chicago. Um, I've been like looking, reading a lot about the organizers, the core, like uh, Daniel Sotomayor was one of the core organizers and he was a really contentious character uh, <laughs> to say the least. He, I mean, he, and, and he died in 1992. Anyways, I just have been wanting to really do this and I see myself, I don't know how far in the future, but this is a, this is a pro goal project. And then I also want to say um, like my stories. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the best reporter of myself at the end of the day. I think that those are the, the, most transformative stories. So I, I'm thinking like my own. And then also I'm thinking about like Chicago and I'm thinking about like incorporating oral history. So there's a couple of things that are like on my dream docket. Um, but ultimately like the, the we're, we need to all be reporting on our lives, especially if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, like go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that? I mean, the project that jumps into my mind is that I've been secretly recording every phone call I've had with my grandma for like several years. Mm -hmm. And she's well. She's a big listener to the podcast, so now she knows. Oh my knows. god, she's <laughs> she is not. She just turned eighty seven. Wow. She's a Holocaust survivor. She's like a really fucking rad lady, and we have so many amazing conversations about like my queerness and being able to like come into being. She's like told me a lot of things she's never told anyone in her mm. whole her whole life, and. I just feel like becoming a person that can like see my grandma in a way that like no one has ever seen her in her life has yeah. been really powerful. And so I'm like, someday I want to like make a story about that. That sounds beautiful. What about you? Yeah. Ooh, way oh, to flip it back on me. I love it. So this is like a more short term and it's going to sound like I'm piggybacking on yours, but it's actually not. Uh, so I did some like long, one interview, a long form interview with each of my grandparents on my mom's side maybe two and a half years ago and my grandpa passed two years ago. And the idea was it wasn't even like for the public. It was to make something for my family. It wasn't like full life stories. It was to like fill in the gaps between the stories that we'd heard and the pieces that had been omitted. Um, and then I procrastinated and then he passed. And then it took me a really long time to go back to here. I, I still haven't listened to that recording uh, of him. I've edited the one with my grandma who's still with us, who you know, gang gang, also a Holocaust survivor, if just for the record. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, I haven't actually been able to like get myself to go back and listen to his voice yet. I had another recording that I actually secretly did at an Italian restaurant in Queens uh, with my brother and the two of them that I accidentally like pressed play on a couple of days ago. And his voice is the first one and he, it starts with him laughing. Um. And so that was the first time I'd heard his voice since he passed. So one of my goals, I have those two interviews I have my cousins and my brother played music at his funeral. So we have the recording of them doing this. Uh, it's like a violin, uh, cello, and a trombone. And then we have this phone call that our like old rabbi did on with my whole extended family sitting around the table like a few days after he passed, just talking us through it. And so I want to turn this into a thing yeah. for the family. Um, but it took me a long time to even think about hearing his voice. Of so course. now that I've heard that, I feel kind of ready to go. Oh my God. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I also, question. not that you asked, but like, please record yourself listening. Ooh. Not that you asked, but. No, I, I love it. Yeah. Putting myself in it. That's because beautiful. Just like looking at you and listening, you're like, oh my God, this is so powerful. I can't imagine it. Like you gearing up to listen is going to be something that you might want to document as well for, for the piece for yourself. It's so interesting. You know, I, I think a lot about the idea of participant documentarian. And like, if you're going to tell a story, you should have some teeth in the game. And I think about that like communally really closely in how I do my work. 
But in documenting yourself, it's like, how do you become a participant in that process too? Oh, yeah. So that was beautiful. Any other piece that you want to make sure is included to kind of like, you know, in this little time capsule to capture what you're feeling in this weird, sterile conference <laughs> hall? I can't, but... Um, you, you made this weird room feel warm oh. and smaller than it is. No, <laughs> it's like it. surprisingly large as you look around. I guess also my voice, I've like, I got sick right before this conference and now my voice is lost and it's like, of course this is happening, but I just like, future Ari, you don't always sound like this, but maybe you'll remember that you're telling yourself, you know, you don't always sound like this, but maybe it sounds kind of good and you like it. <laughs> you like it. Um, how can folks find y'all and your work in the ways you want to be found? I have a SoundCloud. Find my SoundCloud at soundcloud.com um, slash Ari underscore Mejia. Uh, that's that for now. That will be linked to my website when I have it, which will be AriMejia.com. Uh, that's how you can find me. Cool. <laughs> um, I also am on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Bitchface Podcast. Check out Bitchface. It's an incredible feminist audio zine fantasy reality. Go. Ah, thank you. <laughs> I think that with NK, Nicole Kelly, um, one of our other brilliant collective members. And we have a website too, bitchfacepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, bitchface. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for, for having sitting us. down yeah. and uh, enjoy the rest of the, the time here. Thank you. of Ergo is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. It's just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store.